笑何笑ってやんだよ嘘じゃないよ本当にこの人胃がんなんだぜほらじゃあお酒なんかをバオだからお前ダメだってんだよエクセホあの人を見なさいこの人は胃がんという十字架をしちゃったキリストだまだ、あ、ダメなんだ胃がんで宣告されたらその瞬間から死んじまうこの人たちなんだその瞬間から生き始めたんだねえそうでしょ The show about movies featuring me, Bryn, and also Jeremy. Yes, that's right. Me, Jeremy, that Bryn. <laughs> We're here uh, for another week uh, in the uh, in the in the um, COVID bunker here, <laughs> yeah. where we we're safe uh, in Bryn's basement from from the disease, from the real disease, the real disease that, that I, I I know I said last week that I thought it was fake and also made <laughs> up in China, but I now actually believe that it was real and made up in India. <laughs> <laughs> Why no? So it's a Modi project, right? Yeah, it it was actually uh, yeah, it escaped from from an Indian lab. The Modi Coldy. Yeah. Um. Uh-huh. <laughs> 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 yeah. Uh, it was. Uh, it's always going to be a biological weapon. There's yeah. no. Point, there's no chance that it wasn't. <laughs> They're like really starting to. Uh, people are really uh, banging that drum lately. I was like hearing them talking about it on like NPR this morning. They're like, it was made in a lab. Maybe we don't know. On NPR. NPR. Yeah. So NYC morning show. Yeah. Was it? Is there any evidence of that? I guess like people are starting to think maybe it was. Huh. But what for? What for? Everyone, fu- everyone got fucked. <laughs> yeah. Well, China, I guess, like got over it quick. Well, wink, yeah. Wink. <laughs> you know, back in the day, we were like, they have such control over their people, and right. they they have such a, a keen sense of society. And then mm-hmm. now we're like, actually, maybe they made it. <laughs> maybe they made it. Now that send. Donald Trump isn't the president, maybe they made it themselves. That's some giant, So the theory, because this is coming from NPR, state media. Yeah. Uh, saber rattling against China, not very, uh, not very surprising. Yeah. But um, it's funny to imagine that they were like, well, they made it so that the end result of the virus would be every uh, rich person in America getting 10 times richer <laughs> and to kill American poor people. Like, yeah. how does that hurt us how does that? All? How does that help China in any way? Yeah, it doesn't. Uh, that's, that's, yeah, we talked about that last time. There's really nothing, there's no theory that makes any sense mm. yet. That's No one's like... And here's how it benefited anyone. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a clearly obvious disaster that uh, sucks. Yeah, if you want to tell me, like, COVID was invented in, like, an Amazon laboratory, I'd be like, yes, absolutely. <laughs> the Amazon really benefiting from yeah <laughs> well i mean like jeff bezos like yeah. the, you know like if anybody benefited from it it's bezos but it's like there's you know yeah that's why i was saying early on like if anybody made it it was us yeah like you know i would fully believe that you know we did 9-11 <laughs> we did jfk we did mlk you know like we're ready to kill people if it somehow benefits the ruling class in this right. country so it's like yeah. Also, if you never listen to this show, yes, that's how what I really think. <laughs> yeah, and also, hi, it's about movies. It's a show yeah. about movies. <laughs> <laughs> that's correct. Anyway, uh, what did you watch this week? Wow. Um, so I watched two things this week that I wanted to talk about. Right. Um, one of them is um, uh, I talked about it a little bit on the bonus, maybe last week or the week before. But I w- was watching the mayor of East Town or mayor of East Town. I want—I always want to say the mayor of East Town. Not the mayor. It's mayor. Kate Winslet. Kate Winslet plays a woman named Mayor, and she is a detective in a small town called East Town. Yeah. And um, it is a. So she's a police officer. She's yeah, she's a police officer, a detective. She's a um, it's a it's a small limited series that was on HBO, and um. Really enjoyed it. Very good show. Um, you didn't watch any of it yet, right? I haven't seen it. 
it's she's very good in it. I love Kate Winslet. She's really fantastic in it. There's a lot of very good individual performances in it, and I think up until the last episode, it's pretty fucking good. Um, I think it like wait bad last episode, bad ending. Not even a bad last episode, but it is a stupid ending. <laughs> okay. It's the like because it's 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 a mystery show, and like it it's very up its own ass about you know like. Uh, like the the twists and turns and like trying to like leave you with one last little twist that you didn't think of but like literally everybody on the subreddit thought of it like nobody was nobody was confused about where it was going everybody saw it coming and every basically everybody who i talked to about it was like i I don't want to spoil it but like it's like everybody who was talking about it was like it seems like it's going in this direction i really hope it's not this direction and then it was and then it was yeah um, so that was really disappointing. Um, but I think overall it's a good show and I think it's worth watching. I had mentioned the last time I talked about it, that, that mayor has a, uh, like very chic lesbian daughter who does not have a <laughs> Pennsylvania accent like everybody else does. And she really does oh, not yeah. seem like she belongs in the show at all. She, by the end of the show has nothing to do with the show at all cool. she has never <laughs> even once interacted with the main plot of the show except why that she is she was, in the show she was there the night that the girl was murdered and then after that she's just on her own story okay. and has nothing to do with it and what i learned is that the showrunner um uh or like writer or creator or whatever um himself was a like you know, filmmaker person in Pennsylvania, like rural Pennsylvania, who then went on to to go to school in California. And that's the story of this girl. So I guess he was like trying to put himself in the story or whatever. Oh, stupid. Very Never stupid. Never do a character insert. If you're a writer, don't do it. Don't do it. Or if you're going to do it, make it part of the story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you are going to do yourself, you're an author insert, it has to be the main character. Yes. You know, just be indulgent because you will know how to do that. And exactly. Like make it yes. interesting. Don't just put yourself in the fucking story for no reason. For no reason at all. Um, things that I think it does really well. I think it really gets like small town dynamics really well. Like it, it's very good at like there, there's like a tendency with small town stuff sometimes to like make it a little too like incestuous and a little too like you know, everybody knows everything about each other and like everybody's like got some sort of interaction with each other. It it, like really nails that feeling really well of like everybody went to high school together and you have that level of understanding of everybody in your town. Did you see the killing? Um, What is this? There was this show that was on Netflix maybe six, seven years ago Mm -hmm. um, called The Killing and I think it kind of went under most people's radar for being called the killing yeah terrible uh, name. terrible name but this is gonna sound super like a little hyperbolic because i'm gonna say it i'm gonna compare it to two of what is generally considered the best shows of all time but it's sort of a mix between twin peaks and the wire okay in the sense that it's not as good as either of those right but the tone and what it does right is um it's a it's a show about a girl who's murdered mm-hmm and then the rest of the show is trying to figure out what what happened. It's like Twin Peaks, but like The Wire it and like Twin Peaks, it sort of like stops caring about the girl who died. Right. Like Twin Peaks, the point of it was to get you into this town and get you into the dark side of this town. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of how they use the killing as well. Um, and that first season is like some of the best like – regular ass people actors i've ever seen right like sort of like the wire where it's just like real people who all have these interwoven connections and Mm -hmm. like just the grief of the whole town that like seeps into this like weird gray i think it's pacific northwest also so Uh um that's a really interesting show and if you like mysteries i would say the the performances on this are not like real ass people like it's very like capital a acting going on here like even kate winslet is like she's she's doing a great job but she's like kate winslet she can't not act you know (laughs) yeah have you seen little children uh yes yeah yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. i love her in that but she is acting as yeah like, she's a she's an actor she's, she's an actor. a big actor <laughs> and everybody in it is acting so like they don't really get it on that level necessarily but like i just mean like on a writing level like the the choices that they make and the amount of stuff people know about each other mm-hmm. and like the amount of like familiarity that everybody has with each other feels a lot more real than it tends to in small town shit 
thing that doesn't work and is like a glaring problem that I had from episode one and that never gets addressed is Mare is way too good and experienced of a uh, detective to be a small town detective. Oh, really? And it's never explained. <laughs> it's like, it's the kind of thing that like, if you're in, like, it's a murder, right? The story is about a murder. Is it, there no like exchange programs where you like go to New York and like work on some cases for yeah, a right. while or something? <laughs> they even <laughs> send in like the big city detective guy like from state, you know, to, to come and help. And he's like taking cues from her and you're like this doesn't make sense <laughs> this doesn't make any sense like you have to explain why she's a good detective it's not to say that like there can't be a good small town detective but like she like clearly ha- like carries herself like somebody who's been on a few murder ch- you know cases this would be the only murder she's yeah. ever seen <laughs> it's a small town this would be the only murder or only only like uh solvable like you if there's murders in small towns it's usually like well obviously he did it he's admitting it he's right or like we saw everyone saw him did it, it happened at a bar and he sure like, yeah some guy out or whatever but odds are even that like i come from a town that's like you know orders of magnitude larger than east town is right. supposed to be right and i'm from a pretty small place that's like has that small town vibe but it's like definitely way bigger than east town there's in the time that i lived there for you know 18 years or whatever it was one murder you know what i mean wow. like that's th- really like statistic like you looked up the as far as i know one murder and it was a and it was a doozy and it was like it would be <laughs> like the it would be you know a wow. mayor of east town sort of story it was a kid who fucking worked at staples and he uh cut his old teacher's head off oh my god <laughs> yeah she Jesus. lived she lived next door to him and he cut her fucking head off and they found her head in the trunk of his car and they found her body in his basement. Wow. And he'd been like playing dress up with the body and he what? like he like jacked off on the head. It's like a whole Christ. bunch of like different yeah. That's wild. Yeah, it's like very performatively serial killer stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's like the kind of shit that you look at and you're like, you didn't have any idea what to do once you did it, did you? <laughs> like, you're you're like just, what, a, what what next? What next? What, <laughs> what do crazy people do? <laughs> <laughs> like not crazy <laughs> he's like well i guess i'm resigning myself to getting caught so i should look like i did something crazy i guess i should jack off on the head <laughs> this isn't fun for anyone <laughs> um so yeah mayor of Town, i think is worth watching but uh brace yourself for a pretty whack ending um all right the other thing that i watched and i don't know if i i can't see the time you got time. I got time. Um, the other thing that I watched was uh, the um, the Bo Burnham special. Oh, right. Which, that everyone's talking about. Did you get about. to watch it? No. It's very good. I, I would highly recommend everybody watch it. It's like, it's pretty funny. It's not as funny as other specials of his, but it's it's funny enough that it's not like, uh, it's not like Nanette. You know, it's not, you're not going <laughs> to oh, watch it. I saw it that tweet. Like, Did you see that tweet? Yeah, that's what I was referencing. <laughs> There's a for folks at home who haven't who aren't that online. There's yeah. a tweet that's just like nobody's mad at Bo Burnham, even though it's the same as you know whatever. It's like it's yeah. it's wonder it, what the difference is. Wonder there. what the difference mm-hmm. is. It's that his is funny Australian. sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Big Australian discrimination going on here. <laughs> Absolutely true. Nobody respects Tasmania. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the Bo Burnham special. It's it's um the the emotional aspect of it is like kind of cringe sometimes and I'm not really like super like I'm not going to you know it's 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 an interesting reflection on like isolation and like pandemic whatever sort of That's shit. What, it's like only him it's, in a, it's in only a him in like. his in his apartment um and like sure it's 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 an interesting piece of like pandemic art. But the way way more compelling thing about it is like how directed it is. And it's like it's like edited a lot and edited really competently, and mm-hmm. it's like lit a lot and it's lit really competently. <laughs> and he does like a lot of really fun stuff with, like the way that he can set up shots and the way that he can set up like, to, like the the intro to it is like this sort of like somber song that has like a joke every you know like fifteen to twenty seconds. And so he's like sitting at a keyboard like playing it and like singing it, and then like every so often he like slowly turns around to like 
press a keyboard button uh, that's behind him that like cues laughter and then like <laughs> he like slowly goes back and like like doing stuff with like camera pullbacks and stuff that are like happening as like the lights are changed it's it's just a very impressive piece of film did he do it himself it's all him yeah so it's basically like a like a philosophy tube video but like yeah really well done <laughs> so i was gonna say it's kind of like it's a return to form for him because he started as a youtuber that's like his oh, yeah. that's his origin story is mm-hmm. he's like an early early youtube star he's like the original youtuber <laughs> and then this is kind of like his return to form in that way but way more informed by tiktok than it is by youtube because mm. it's like a lot of like really rapid cuts a lot of like really hard like smash cut between different stuff really interesting really really worth worth the checkout i think um i think you could skip around it a fair bit too i think there's like if a song isn't catching you i think you can you can move on from it <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i've i've watched some of his stuff before mm-hmm. i think maybe one i'm not sure if i've i've watched because he has like two specials he has um, a, i think two or three yeah um, um I, i've definitely watched one mm-hmm. i don't know if i watched two but um i think he's a talented funny guy i mean yeah. like it's not exactly my flavor all the time but i mean i i like what i mean is when i heard there was a new bo burnham i wasn't like oh i'm gonna watch sure, it right yeah. now yeah which, like i would with a lot of some other comics mm-hmm. but like i'll watch it I'm, yeah. I'm excited to especially if it's even better than his last ones well i was trying to like go uh shannon strucci into a conversation about this and she didn't really bite <laughs> um but i really Shout like to shannon because yeah shouts to shannon who is a huge bo burnham fan um but she was saying that it's like less funny than previous ones which i do agree with and that the songs are a little weaker but i think that like this is way better than anything he's made before because mm-hmm. i've seen i've definitely seen his specials before i haven't seen like his presents but i've seen like his you know his self-produced specials he's always felt like he's in this weird liminal space between like stand-up comedy and like youtuber where right. like he came to prominence as a youtuber and then used that to become a stand-up comic which has always felt like the wrong direction to move right. for me well even then it all like his specials to me don't really feel like stand up. Yeah, cuz like, they're, they're they're musical. They're they're shows. You know, they're shows. They're like a one man show where he's you mm-hmm. know doing and that's like fine, you know. It's that's cool. A it's a fun thing to do, but But the odd man out has always been the audience. Mm-hmm. That's always been the weird thing for me is I'm always like oh, you're you're, right. you're not benefiting from having an audience there. Like sure, it's nice to have the laughs and I bet that feels good, but like this piece doesn't need an audience. It's not necessary to making this work. And so this new special, which is called like Inside or something like that, Inside. Um, it's the first one that feels like he really like has come into his own and like understood like what a like fully formed Bo Burnham could be, mm-hmm. where it's like he doesn't he's doing way cooler shit by having the capability to edit because you can't edit a stand-up special. You're not supposed to. Like right. you get in trouble if you edit your stand-up <laughs> special. Like Chris Rock did that one where he was like in three different venues and yeah, it would cut between like, the three different the venues. Yeah, everyone's like this is stupid. Now now we know that you say the same thing every night. <laughs> and you're like you fucking what are you talking about? <laughs> of course he says the same thing every night, you fucking idiot. <laughs> He's a stand-up. What do you think he does? He's just making it up off the top of his head. Yeah. That's what people really believe. <laughs> really? People really yeah, people really believe not that. Now. stand-ups no yeah for sure really people say it to you after a show <laughs> all the time any show that you do really well at, like anytime i've ever killed on stage has always had somebody come up to you like yeah it's crazy you, just, you guys just like come up with that shit off the dome what you're like no no that's no i worked really hard <laughs> <laughs> i had to practice many times yeah it's like how TV writers always get upset when they're just like, when people say like, yeah, man, like you guys are so funny. You guys must be like high all the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Really? We go to work. <laughs> yeah, that's how Twitter works. Yeah, we sit in front of a fucking computer screen forever. <laughs> Twitter Twitter works better if you're really high. Yeah. Not comedy writing. <laughs> Twitter works great for me when I'm like fading on Ambien. That's when the best tweets come. <laughs> Yeah, Todd told me that the way he does tweets is he gets really high mm. 
and then puts a bunch of shit into the drafts at night because his brain is just like going crazy. And then he goes to sleep and then in the morning like picks the best ones and tweets them. That's good. Um, so I started doing that and like literally every time I do it, I, my brain isn't doesn't work like his, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but every once in a while, I'll like draft a tweet at night and that's always the one that like d- is, goes viral. Yeah. Or like gets in like the daily dot or whatever <laughs> yeah no i like to i like to take ambient at night and then as i'm like there's like a brief time before you fall asleep where you're like really high and just like spinning like crazy and that's where like roseanne gets in trouble and <laughs> so like i like to write tweets then and i don't i don't send them to draft i send them right out and <laughs> it i i tweeted this before it 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 feels like what I imagine drunk driving is like, where you're just like, I know this is wrong, <laughs> but it's so much fun. Someone's going to get hurt. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if it's me. I don't know if it's some passersby. All I know is this is a wide bend. <laughs> Woo! I'm just having a great time. <laughs> and I'm going to wake up mad about it but uh i'm having fun now (laughs) anyway uh so yeah um, what did you watch what i watched was uh okay so the one thing i was going to tell you before we were recording is that last week i was like i didn't watch anything Mm. shit except for maya darren which i actually watched the week before um but what I realized is I completely forgot is that every Friday I've been going to my friend, one of my best friends from college. Um, he directs Joe Bob, The Last Drive-In. Mm. And I've watched, so I've been watching two movies every week. And I just forget that I watched them. Because <laughs> to me, it's like I went to my friend's house and hung out and right. like, watched Joe Bob, which isn't a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to talk about what I watched on Joe Bob. Um so if you watch that show, um, sorry, you know what it's going to be, but who cares? But I also don't want it to be, I don't want this show to become like my last drive-in recap. <laughs> I'm right. going to try and watch something else. But uh, I did watch uh, Train to Busan for the first time. Okay. Um, which, have you seen that? No, but I've been meaning to. Train to Busan is a wild movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's a Korean film from, I don't know, 20 the early 2010s, I believe. And they're making a uh, an American version of it. Oh, that seems weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, because this movie is sort of like the horror version of Parasite. Um, and I don't just say that because it's Korean. Like, the tone is very similar. Mm-hmm. The Just a lot of the sensibilities is very similar. The, the, po- the, the race of the main characters is similar. <laughs> the race. <laughs> uh, the political sort of commentary is very similar. So the movie is... Uh, most people know it's a movie about zombies mm-hmm. um which uh they're fast zombies um they uh are on a train you know so it's it's not a very unique idea um but what's interesting about it is the movie is about a guy who is are a, they just on the train or are they everywhere and also on well, the train well you don't really know yet mm-hmm. um you're you're following this guy who's a businessman doesn't have a, t- a lot of time for his daughter. He's like divorced from his wife. He's sure. a single dad. Um, and they, she wants to see her mom who lives in Busan. Um, and uh, she keeps asking and asking. And finally he's like, all right, fine. We're going to go to Busan. Uh, he, the way it works is he, uh, it's her birthday and he gets her, I think a video game console that she already has. Mm-hmm. She has like, has, already has the Wii U and he's, she's like, I don't want this. And he's like, I'm sorry, I'll make it up to you. Anything you want. She's like, let's go to Busan. Right. He's like, no. <laughs> On a train, please. Yeah. Um, so they end up going, and uh, while they're on the train, a zombie outbreak starts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I forget actually how the first one gets on or whatever, but um, it's sort of like an Amtrak-style train. So they're making stops along the way, mm-hmm. and then somebody gets on who becomes a zombie, and uh, then it's sort of like grows from there so it sort of um ends up being so the zombies are really scary um in a very like interesting way um the director talked about how um uh he he thought zombies had too much makeup he was like it's all about makeup right he's like i want to make zombies that are based on motion so it's all like i don't know if he got like 
dancers like contemporary dancers or whatever but everyone moves in this very specific very creepy way Mm -hmm. um and it's like they have like some blood on them and like their eyes are weird like in 28 days later right but um that's all except they move really weird yeah like Um, what what, how weird like what are we talking about here (laughs) like their legs are all straight and they like can crawl kind of like they can like climb up on walls a little bit and like they sort of like turn into this weird like ant like ball um. yeah so like um uh i feel like we talk about uh we talk about ariaster so fucking much but like kind of like in um <laughs> in hereditary right how Very like the kid with like, like his like yeah. fucked up hand and whatever and you're like that's not inherently a scary thing but like the way that it's presented you're just like Oh my God! Yeah, fuck. Exactly. <laughs> Something's uh, wrong. <laughs> very similar feeling, especially the first couple like turns, um, where they like, it looks like I think one of the first turns is like a girl, and she like, sh- she's like on the floor because sh- they think she's like choking or something. Yeah. And then they like she stops breathing, and they're like, oh no, is she dying? And then like. When she gets up, it's like kind of from behind, like um, in Halloween one when he sits up, except she like just like lifts off the floor like it's in reverse or something. Mm. And her like knees are like bending weird ways. And it's like, Jesus. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But then what happens is you find out that the uh, the company that the guy works for is like responsible for this chemical that like leaked and is like causing the zombies uh, to happen. So it's more like a. It's just a, a disease, really, that, like, you die, and then if you get bitten, um, it transfers to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it works exactly like zombies, but it's a it's a drug or whatever. Yeah. It's like, again, like 28 Days Later. But it also has this snow piercer sort of vibe. Where right, because like, it's on a train. They're, like, closing the train doors, like, mm-hmm. to become safer and, like, keeping the people who are infected on other train doors. And then most of the movie is, like, some of the people who get saved um, – have loved ones on like two train cars or three train cars back. Yeah. And then like those loved ones are like, we got to go save them. And so they like, they're like, they're already dead. Like there's no way they can be alive. And, uh, the conductor's like, well, we can't stop because mm-hmm. every there's zombies everywhere. They try to, they try to get off once, but there's zombies everywhere. The whole world okay. is like being infected. Um, and then there's like a whole long part where they're trying to go three train cars back and they learn a lot about the zombies. About how now, is it work. an electrified train? <laughs> uh, yes. I think it's like, a so speed. they can just keep going indefinitely. It's a speedy train. Yeah. Until yeah. like, uh, you know, until like the electrical until the grid gets knocked yeah. out, which is, well, tr- usually there's some sort of a turnaround. Like you can, you can, you can finagle such oh, things. Oh yeah. 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 There will um, usually be some sort of a way to turn yourself around without, uh, hitting the end. So I think what they're trying to do is eventually get to Busan, which is on the shore. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and hope, I think they think that there's going to be something safe there. Right. Um, I won't boat, tell you, perhaps. I won't tell you if there, if there is, um, but that's sort of the premise of the movie. And I was really surprised that like every villain in the movie isn't like, it's funny. Cause in like Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead, all the zombie villains are always like, an asshole who just wants to like kill people, right. you know, like I'm taking control and I'm going to be, you know, yeah, there's always that guy. Yeah. There's always that guy. There's not that guy. There's just a businessman who's scared mm-hmm. and he's like, like everyone, every villain is like a rich guy. Um, and like everyone is a guy who's trying to save themselves, um, at the expense of other people. Um, and so the way it's sort of, ends up being is this interesting it's a it's definitely trying to say a lot about the state of korea Mm. at the time which is like this weird like thing where nobody cares about each other and everyone's sort of out for each other it's like very and there's some like a lot of i won't i can't really go into it without spoiling some stuff for the audience but there's a lot of like korean reunification stuff the way there is in 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 parasite um about like how there's this divided country and we're living in the bad side. <laughs> right. Um, and, Cause that's somehow lots of South Koreans seem to feel that this is like, we've been take, we're an occupied country basically. Um, and it's just like this disease is spreading through the entire country and, and t- seems to be what it's about. So yeah. It's this I- really interesting sort of like 
I wouldn't say it's quite as good as Parasite. Like, there's so many crazy ideas in Parasite that sure, are, are yeah. so much better. But, like, as a zombie movie... Well, it's, it, like, not really a fair movie to compare other movies against. Uh, yeah, totally. Because it's, like, <laughs> generally considered one of the yeah. best of the decade. Um, but I think it it feels like a stepping stone towards that, of using sort of a genre movie to talk about... It's also just incredibly directed. Like, it's a, I haven't really mentioned. It's just beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like, the the way that the lighting works on the train and like he made the zombies sort of blind so that when the lights go out, they can't really attack you. Uh So there's like a lot of fun play with the, yeah, I love that sort of thing. I love like a restriction. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when it comes to zombies, because it's like the more you make zombies just able to just keep going forever, the like more boring your stupid zombie movie ends up being. No, there's such tense moments like when they're trying to go save their loved ones in the other car they find out they go through a tunnel and like the zombies just stop mm. and they're like the, all the zombies are like we're looking around yeah and they're like oh they can't see and they like can slowly creep through and then there's just like so much fucking tension with that whole like concept because they figure out they can turn off the lights sometimes yeah and, like, but Did you ever see um they have to like, be in the tunnel and was a bird box i didn't see that with sandra bullock yeah it's okay but it's like it's a fun thing like that where it's like you add like a very specific restriction and there's like a lot more fun to 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 be had. Yeah. You know, and then it's the- I, I wish more filmmakers would like try harder <laughs> <laughs> j- just generally across <laughs> the too. board. I but, absolutely but, do. <laughs> but like adding adding restrictions to things really just like it, it, it adds so much when you're doing like action or horror tension, you know, yeah. like sort of like I, the the way tr- I was really impressed with the way Train to Busan like doles out little by little its its information about zombies because it's like you don't know what's going on, no one knows what's going on, and then there are little twists of how they work that you know they don't tell you that right up front. That's like halfway through the movie, you know, right. <laughs> they like realize that about the, the the situation they're in. They don't even no one even knows. Because they, they don't act, it's not Shaun of the Dead, you know? Mm-hmm. It, they're not, like, acting like, oh, it's zombies. You get bit, you know, like, yeah, nobody yeah, knows yeah, what yeah. happens. So that's very fun, and, and uh, I just think it's really well put together. And, like, the ending sequence ends up being, like, really sad in a in a really actually emotional way. And right. So I hadn't watched a zombie movie when what felt like a decade, mm-hmm. and I ended up really enjoying it. So I recommend it. Damn. Anyway. Let's talk about the movie we watched. Yes. Which was 1952's Akira Kurosawa's, ugh, Akira Kurosawa's masterpiece, Ikiru. Yeah. Um, so Also translated as To Live. To Live, yeah. So um, is this his masterpiece? Is this the one that like <laughs> is like... Opinion. Yeah, because I was going to say, like, I thought Seven Samurais is yeah, the one yeah, that everybody's everyone, like, that's the one. Yeah. Um, I'd never seen this one before. So I... Ha- um, what what's your have you watched a lot of Kurosawa movies? I've seen like Seven Samurais. I've seen um, Yojimbo. Yojimbo. Um, I think that might be it. Did you I, see Rashomon. No. Okay. Um, I think that might be it. I might have seen like one or two more. Um, it's one of those ones that like I took like a film class in in college, and oh, okay. it's, it's like they would have like had me watch it in that. <laughs> <laughs> so you've never really like sought out his. No, 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 no. I've never really dug in. Uh, it's one of those ones that's always like, I mean to, but it's like old and, and Japanese subtitled, and yeah. subtitled and slow. And like this one, uh, it, it, there's a lot of like roadblocks in the way. Absolutely. Uh, you know, for me too, like, I mean, a lot of these movies I saw because I was a very weird child mm-hmm. and I like had a high school experience with no friends. So I was right. just like, you know, just sitting and watching movies and upon movies um, and f- going deeper and deeper into foreign and strange and surreal. So I, ha- but nowadays as an adult with shit to do, yeah. like I ca- having to sit down and watch a subtitled movie and not look at my phone. is just like, it's a, it's a test. Yeah. And it's so, like a two hours and change movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and also there's so many, am I going to, you know, if you haven't, if you haven't entered a director's, you know, oeuvre, mm-hmm. uh, you're like, well, which one is good? Because we, with the Hitchcock month, we co- sort of learned that, like, 
None of it is. At this point, diminishing returns. Yeah. Like, you know. I don't think I'll ever watch a Hitchcock again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm done now. I don't know if I need any more of that shit. Uh, but yeah, so uh, let's do a quick recap. Um, Ikiru is a movie about uh, Kanji Watanabe, an old man who is a um, bureaucrat. He works at uh, City Hall. And yeah, he he's in the Parks and Rec department of yeah. of his city. Is it Tokyo? I don't I don't know what city he's in. I don't know, but he is an old guy, and he's been there for thirty years, maybe more. But he has an award that says he's been there for thirty years, um, and he just you know is a bureaucrat he stamps mm-hmm. the paper he doesn't let anything happen the movie kind of opens with these There's like a narrator who's just like man this guy this sucks guy fucking sucks. what a fucking <laughs> stupid life god damn yeah you can barely call what you're doing living um and the movie kind of opens with uh this group of concerned mothers coming to his office and being like there's a fucking cesspool in our neighborhood we want it filled in and we want something like a park there yeah um they have a little petition and a promotion you know a little plan to do that and then they're just given the runaround like brazil style where it's just like you got to go to the parks department you got to go to then they send them to the sewage yeah it's got to be like a collaboration between like you got to have like parks for the park part you got to have sewage for the cesspool you got to have like probably like roads and 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 stuff like that transportation everybody's got to get their little fingers in this thing yeah it's gonna take a little while and this scene sort of drags on to the point where you're like how many times and they sort of freak out and they're like fuck you guys like yeah. we're done with this shit yeah like, deuces we're out of here we're gonna do it ourselves or something. like they're, they're just mad um and so the movie kicks off because uh kanji is sort of feeling sick all the time and he goes to the doctor and they don't tell him he has stomach cancer because i guess in the 50s they just didn't tell you if you're about to die right <laughs> but he uh has a fun conversation with uh, another patient who says, if the doctor tells you this, if he tells you you're going to, if you, it's you, a, you have stomach ulcers, if, you have if they say stomach you have stomach ulcer, ulcers, you can... it means you really have stomach cancer. Right. And that's what they tell him. Which is like a pretty, uh, dubious claim. I kind <laughs> of feel like I, I definitely for a second, I was like, is it going to be that he doesn't have stomach cancer at the end? When I first watched it, I also had that feeling. Cause I remembered that scene and I was like, Oh yeah, no, he dies, though. Yeah, he does uh, die. <laughs> uh, uh, but I guess I don't know if that's a commentary on like the Japanese system, like. Or does he freeze to death because he's in the park? Right. Um, oh. So he, this is a crushing blow to him at this point in his life. He looks on his life and realizes he's done nothing with his life. He doesn't yeah. feel like good about anything. His wife is dead. He's estranged from his son, who doesn't seem to care about him at all he's yeah. just trying to like get a better house get his pension and move into a better house with his wife um and there's so he basically is wants to go drink his sorrows away he goes to a bar he meets this very interesting um like he's like an author yeah like 50s beat guy but yeah he's like but, in, like but he's japanese weird in japanese yeah um and he's like and he tells him i have stomach cancer i'm gonna die and under six months like i don't know i'm fr- and he he gets really fascinated he's like let's help you live so he goes tell takes him to do like a bunch of like young person's vice stuff like gambling and drinking yeah and, like, it's it's his first like so basically the movie ends up being you know uh his various attempts to like do something to to, to live yeah to 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 enjoy his little bit of time that he has left in life and to live and it kind of just like presents you with these different opportunities that you can have to like to 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 grab life and enjoy it and like he just all of these attempts just end up being like kind of these like feeble pathetic little things where like the first one is he just like is like getting fucked up and going gambling or whatever and he's just like i'm fucking old this sucks i don't like this this isn't fun in that scene he's he uh well we'll come back to it but uh then he he meets up with this sort of quirky manic pixie dream girl uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, who works at his office. He's been gone for five days, like fucking off dealing with his depression over this. Um, and he sees her in the street and they sort of strike up a weird friendship. Um, He's like, hey, you have joie de vivre. Yeah. And she's like, <laughs> yeah, I do. Young and youthful. And, uh, and that's sort of obvious to, I think, modern day audience what's happening. But they do spell it out eventually. She's like, why do you want to hang out with me? Like, you, she's like, thinks he's... 
eventually she thinks that he's trying to fuck her or something. Right, yeah. And everybody, his son thinks he's trying to fuck her right. too. And then he's like, no, I don't. I don't actually know what I'm doing. Yeah. And I'm dying. And it's about like, it's, it's, they, they really linger on this for a while about this idea of like mistaking youth for life. Yes. Like they really are, are like, Kurosawa was like really focused in on this idea of like, that's not that's what it not means. It. It's like, not about just like debauchery. It's not about pleasure. It's yeah. not about youth. And like, you can like, you can be a participant, you can be an observer to it, but neither of those are the thing. Like that's not, you like, you may have like fond memories of those things, but that's not what makes it life. Yeah. And um, so he, she like sort of is just like, you're, this is too much for me basically and yeah he sort she's like he's like what do you do yeah she's like, like how do i, do I be like you and work and and he's like and she's like all i do is make these bunnies i, I, I yeah that's such a fucking <laughs> but, but it's such a funny scene <laughs> because yeah. she's like because they're like having this big fight where she's like look i'm fucking sick of you old man like yeah I don't want to fucking hang out anymore. I don't want to go get noodles. I don't want to go dancing. I don't want to do any of this shit anymore. I want to fucking go home because I'm tired after work. And he's like, but how do I have joie de vivre? Yeah. And she's like, I don't know, man. I don't have it. You think I have it? I don't. I just go to work and I fucking eat and I shit and I go to sleep and that's my life and that's it. And he's like, come on, there's got to be something else. She's like, well, there is this one thing. <laughs> Her job is that she works at a factory where she makes these fucking bunny toys that hop around. <laughs> but it's like such a like, it's such a funny like she little admission one. to be like, well, there is one thing. Yeah. I make little robot bunny toys. <laughs> <laughs> and it hops across the table and he's like, Fuck! I don't have that. Yeah, I can't have, make robot bunny I'll never toys. Have robot bunny toys. She's like, I commune with every baby in Japan, and he's like, shit, that is cool. Um, and then he's like, no, wait, I know what I can do. I can do actually do my job. Yeah, what we're supposed to do. So he goes to his office and he's like, I'm back, guys. We're gonna make this park. And then the movie cuts. Yeah, this is a weird, weird thing that it, when it first happened, I was like, I don't think I like this. Yeah. And then later I was like, no, this actually rules yeah. that they did it this way. <laughs> and so what we cut directly to his funeral. Yeah. So he's dead now. And we have the mayor, uh, like the deputy mayor of the town and all of the sort of like big wigs and you know bureaucrats who were his you know friends um basically having this argument about the park is done mr watanabe made the park or he didn't make the park like it was his it was sort of his fault or his like success and the mayor is like it was all of us it's actually me actually <laughs> um and then they're having this argument and then the women from the first part of the movie come into his funeral and like the entire scene stops and they just start fucking weeping yeah and are like they're clearly they believe that he did this and then you sort of they're the mayor's like pissed i guess yeah <laughs> and then leaves and then so you get the rest of his co-workers and like other people from different departments everyone who works in city hall starts sort of telling the story and arguing as they get drunker and drunker um and this is like 40 minutes of it's the a, i was way more than i remember it's like a third of the movie it is, goes on is a long time his funeral yeah and uh and they sort of tell the story of what happened which was him basically doggedly like clearly obviously being the one who was getting this done yeah and like greasing the wheels of the of the bureaucracy that he was in to get this park done and um they also don't know that he knew he had cancer. Yeah, that's uh, the one thing in this that I was like, this is stupid. Because <laughs> they keep coming back to it over the course of this whole argument where they're like, but he had to know. No, he didn't know. He didn't know he had cancer. It's like, how do you not look at a guy who like shows up to work suddenly extremely passionate, <laughs> yeah. suddenly really wanting to get something done, who's also all the time holding his stomach and talking like, <laughs> like, like in a like increasingly gravelly voice? Yeah, yeah. How do you not look at that and be like, oh, he was sick and he yeah, knew yeah, it? Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, yeah, they they do have a, a, an extended conversation of whether he did it, but they end eventually all come to the to the conclusion, including his son and and, and daughter in law, uh, that you know it, he, this was his life's work. This is something he really wanted to do. Was sort of the way he felt. Um, and there was the, finally a policeman comes in, and says like, "I wanted to 
give my respects to this guy. I was there on the night and he was just sitting on a swing uh, singing the song that he sings called Life is Brief, yeah. which is an incredible scene earlier on when he like sort of realizes what's going on with the youthful thing. Um, and he's just sitting on a swing singing that song. Um, and they sort of all kind of come together and they're like, we're never going to be stupid bureaucrats again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're all going to follow his lead and like do actually good. We're going to be servants of the people is what they say. Um, and then they cut to uh, not doing that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the cuts to them back at the office and someone is like, oh, this is a what is it's a, somebody's a, their complaint is something really awful. It's like a. Oh, there's a gas leak or something, and they're uh, like, "Go to desk gate. It's not our problem." <laughs> and like the one guy who was originally like, "No, Mr. Watanabe is a hero," uh, like stands up and slams on on the desk, and then like they all look at him, and then he just sits back down. Yeah, and then he goes to the park and like looks on, uh, and then that's the movie. Um, so what did you think about this movie? I uh, I liked it a lot more than I expected to. That's good. Um, <laughs> you know, again, a lot of roadblocks, a lot of stuff in the way, but I I really enjoyed it. I liked it a lot. Um, you know, at at this point in my life, uh, it it hits a certain way. Yeah, you know, like getting older and and now having a kid and like thinking a lot about like what am I leaving behind? What, what is my future? Like my youth is like very definitively behind me. (laughs) Like it, it definitely it's, it's, it's come at a very nice time in my life, I suppose is, Uh is what I would say for it. I do think ideologically I hate this movie. Really? Yeah. Okay. Tell Uh, me about it. Cause I was, I was really surprised cause I was, Okay, I liked this movie a lot. I was like, when I saw it, I was like, this is Kurosawa's best film. Mm-hmm. I love it. I was a teenager. Yeah. Um. So when I was revisiting it for this, I was like, I wonder if it'll be really different for me because, I, you know, the way I think of life will have been changed because I'm older. Sure. Um. But I was surprised that I really felt like it was more relevant mm. and more political and had a better take on what living is than i think most movies like like fucking wonderful life or sure 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 sure. so what i was gonna say is like i think you have to separate in this movie ideology from philosophy right okay where i think like philosophically what this has to say about life and living and legacy and like the the wonderful things really wonderful things that i agree with a lot ideologically i think that it has a weirdly like individualist tone that i don't really vibe with very much okay where like it's it's constantly harping on this idea of like the bureaucracy is the problem and like when when you have too many cooks in the kitchen that's when (laughs) things go bad and Mm. what works is when one man finally has the courage to act unilaterally against the collective and just do what he knows is right which is make this park sure it's like a low stakes thing that we're talking about it's building a playground everybody can like building a playground (laughs) but at the end of the day like at the beginning of of his funeral they're like he kind of fucking railroaded this thing like he kind of really pushed it through and like a lot of people didn't think it should happen and and he made it you know like it it's very much perpetuating a similar idea as like Batman does where like, <laughs> it's the idea that like, you know, one man can stand up against the, you know, the, 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 the brutality of this world. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, in this case, like you cut through all of this waste in government and like, you know, these like fucking layabouts who just want to collect their pension, you know? And like, <laughs> This one man, you know, at death's door finally stood up. See, I, I, I hear you on that. And I, I think what I, the way I took it this time was less that it was like pro or like anti um, organization, but more so and like it's about somebody examining the system that they're in and realizing that they can't do and like it's it's more um a screed against the system that he's in i think mm-hmm. um where i think something like it's a wonderful life makes the mistake of just being like 
not commenting on why anything is bad mm-hmm. and just being like, it all comes down to this one guy's decision. But this was a movie of like, he's not going to change everything. He has one option, which yeah. is do his job correctly or mm-hmm. in a way that actually helps people in his community. Yes. Um, and he, at the end of his life, he realized he hasn't done that. And the only thing I think, like you're saying, philosophy wise, what it's what it's trying to say, I think, or what I how I read it is that like the only thing that will get give you happiness and fulfillment is like making other people's lives better. Yes. Um, and yeah, he quite literally makes the, the tree whose shade he'll never sit in. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, although he does sit in the he park, he sits in the park, but he's not even gonna, <laughs> he doesn't care about using it. He's yeah. just like, Hey, I did it. Um, cause it's for kids. Um, and I think, I, I think that that's more important to it than like, I guess I wonder how you think it would be like it would be less individuals because it's like a very personal movie, right? It's about this one guy. Right. Um, I mean, I guess I, I and would, ultimately, I mean, like death I, is something that you go through alone. Like it's not really a collective, you know, I guess I always hate thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, ultimately, yeah, it is an individual struggle that you are going through on your own. Like his coworkers can't like help him. But I think, like, a, a, a more collectivist version of this movie would be about him saying, like, the change that I want to make is to make this park. And in order to do that, I'm going to inspire my coworkers to, like, take their jobs more seriously and, like, really care about, you know, positive outcomes for, for right. our community. But I think I think what's good about the movie it is... It would be unrealistic that, if he did that. Right. Well, that's what I think is interesting about the movie is that it, it grapples with the fact that he actually didn't change anything. Mm-hmm. Like, or that's what I appreciated about it this time is that it's... The depressing part isn't that he fails in his own personal fulfillment. The depressing part is that that actually doesn't do anything. Yeah. Um, And that the the sort of system of, of uh, corruption that he was working within... Um, stayed and he didn't even try to change that right and like having that like you said at the end like because I was also like oh we don't even get to see him do the park I was like oh that's sad and then I thought it was I remembered actually how it ended but like to to, to choose to show them like understanding what was good about his action and then cowardly not doing anything I think was a good choice because it's like you have to do what you're saying is like actually change people right to change that the system that you're in and something i really appreciated in this is like you know speaking to the idea of like him not changing anything and like the it's like the small level at which he's operating here is like it it really shows like how important or meaningful like a small thing can be like a small playground is like ultimately in the grand scheme of like his city probably nothing at all but it's like making these parents lives easier because they have somewhere to bring their kids to and their kids have somewhere to play that they're going to remember when they're there's like there's playgrounds that i remember from when i was a kid like playgrounds are meaningful to kids and like you grow up and and who knows how that influences your development or whatever but like it's it's this idea that i feel like i encountered it a lot in comedy and i'm sure you encounter it a lot in music where like everybody dreams so big mm-hmm. you know everybody has these like huge ideas of like i'm gonna be the best comedian i'm gonna be the best musician we're gonna Absolutely. be the biggest band in the world we're gonna be touring huge stadiums worldwide whatever you know like it's this idea of like being like realistic and and managing your own expectations and saying like i'm not gonna do that i'm not gonna make you know, the huge program that brings playgrounds to every neighborhood, (laughs) you know, unilaterally across my city, I'm going to make a playground and that's fine. You know, to say like, I'm not going to have all of my dream going to, but I'm going to have some of it. And some of it is, is worth something to me. Yeah. You know? And I think that's, that's what I liked about it this time, which was that it felt like it wasn't being, especially because he's so old you know this is a guy who's never thought about doing anything for anybody like there's flashbacks to him like you know seeing his son sort of fail at baseball right and uh 
just sort of feeling ashamed. He's like put his head down in shame for literally his entire life. Right. He's like never thought about doing anything for anybody. And then all of a sudden he has six months to do something and he picks something he knows he can accomplish. And even then he's like huge stakes to do it. Right. Um, that it is something like I'll just make somebody's life better and that'll be enough. Right. Um, and I thought that that was a really good, good way to think about things. Um, yeah, but I do see your point about how it, it has this, like, I guess it's just because the focus is so individual, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's like, well, it's just this one guy. How does he fix his, like, yeah. And, and, and to do the version that I'm talking about where he like inspires his coworkers before he dies, changes the the dynamic of this where it's like so much of this movie is about like the fantasy of death in some ways where like you die and everybody is really impacted and everybody talks about how impactful mm. you were and you get to witness that you know <laughs> like that's the thing is like everybody like fantasizes about when they die that they get to witness their own funeral that's what ev- uh-huh. that's the dream right is that <laughs> you, you get to that. hear everybody talk about you but you never get to do that mm-hmm. and and that kind of that that really factors into this movie in a big way like in in what a like it this is a fantasy of death right this is like this is the version of you where like you get the news and you're like i'm gonna do something and you do it and then everybody everybody gets it you know like (laughs) there's a version of this in real life where he makes that playground and then everybody's like it's a fine playground who cares who cares whatever there's a version (laughs) of it where like he makes the playground and then like the kids don't really use it because like some fucking like drug addicts get there first and then (laughs) it becomes like a a, you know a a home for vagrants and you know like it's it's at once a depressing movie and also a a very like optimistic view (laughs) of 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 one's uh decay and death uh, sort of I, I but i think what's what i think kurosawa wants you to take away from it is like i, I and i think with other movies that are like this that are more so of like like the i i think it nicely sidesteps the sort of trope that this has become of like carpe diem everybody right you know by saying like it's not enough to do this like yeah. it's not enough to just like navel gazy like even if even if it's sort of a narcissistic version of helping people mm-hmm. it that's still not enough yeah like that's not actually making the world you know he just did this and that's good for him but it's like there's still people who are in these fucking in this system that he didn't help change at all right um so i don't think it lets him off the hook exactly mm-hmm. um i think it it does have this sort of uh you know, as, as, as I was reading um, that Kurosawa was like, uh, he denied being a communist, but like in his younger days was like involved in like Japanese, like far left. Yeah. Uh, and then when America came, because he, he started becoming a filmmaker in 1943. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and this is, um, this movie comes out the last year of the American occupation. Right. Um, and so there is some stuff about that in this movie and he, um, he ends up later in his career, gets some movies funded by the Soviet Union in Mm. the seventies. Um, so he's definitely on the, sure. Yeah. uh, On the, on the sort of like actually changing stuff is good side generally. Um, but there was so much like Japanese, like some some of his early movies, people are like, this is kind of just fascist propaganda because he had to. Right. Um, so he's always writing this weird line of like, what can he get away with um, in terms of his own personal politics and philosophy? So I doubt he would have been allowed to make that movie. Right. Um, and I think within the framework of living in American occupation Japan, um, I think it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think, I think for me, it's probably the best version of this movie that there is. Not that there could be, but that that, that I exists. Know, that I know of. Yeah, I I could I could see that. Yeah. Of like, get a second chance at life. Get a you know like the fan or the, yeah the the, the second chance at life or at least like the you know the the last chance to like leave your mark. Leave or something. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it um. 
it reminds me a lot of two things. One is um, uh, something that we talked about with uh, how to succeed in business without really trying, Mm -hmm. which is that like all of the, the, the moral of that movie is like that, like business is stupid and corporate life is stupid. And the only thing that really matters at work is like the connections that you make with the people around you and like Mm -hmm. the friendships and the, and the relationships that you build with, you know, the people that you work with. And that's kind of a similar thing that you take away from this, where it's like, you know, the, the bureaucracy is the bureaucracy and it's never going to stop being the bureaucracy. He's (laughs) not going to be able to, he's, he's not going to be able to break that up and, and change the way that that works. But what does matter is like the individual impact that he can make on real people in real life right. you know people who came to them looking for a playground he got a playground right and i think he fails and if he, he didn't ever really try to do that to to his co-workers he yeah. was sort of like working on these things for the people um but forgetting to like actually change anything and, right and you know melt any stubborn hearts um and then the other thing that it reminds me of is something that my grandfather used to say mm-hmm. um when i was growing up he would always say that the the measure of a life well lived is not how many dollars you have in your bank account, but how many people are at your funeral. Mm-hmm. And it really made me think a lot about that. Yeah, um, absolutely. Towards the end, when when the when the mothers show up, and they're all just like wailing, it just like reminded me so much of like when my grandfather died. Um, there was this. It was three days sold out like as oh, far as whoa. like a fucking you know like a, a small town like a funeral parlor can be like it was literally like line the out the door like of people just yeah three days Holy of shit. line out the door people trying to come and just like pay respects to to my grandpa it was a great guy he would like fuck it, every day he would be like in his car all day long just driving around our town just like doing fucking favors for people just like helping people <laughs> out Weird. <laughs> i mean that's cool yeah he spent his whole retirement just like fucking mowing people's lawns and like going over places to like help people fix stuff and whatever just really really great guy yeah yeah um and this movie reminded me a lot of him yeah so i mean i don't know i i I think i agree with you that there could be a version of this movie that is i guess less wallowy in the individual and sort of more about like how to actually live a good life Mm -hmm. um rather than just like because you don't get to see him do it really like you yeah see the, how it affected the, him you specifically don't get to see him do yeah, it yeah. at all and i yeah. think that's an in- really interesting filmic choice um but yeah like you're saying like what ideologically i, I see what you're saying yeah um but i have to say i very i have feel like i haven't like watched a movie that like made me really like tear up mm-hmm. but like this movie is his acting is so, like a lot of it is so good. Yeah. Um, it feels so modern. Mm-hmm. Uh, his like, <laughs> it's a lot like, it's um, almost cheating. Cause he has this like big puppy dog face. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, it's, it just looks like one of the best movies he's made. I mean, like everyone loves the samurai stuff and like, there are beautiful shots. He obviously mm-hmm. is an incredible director, but like this, such simple stuff in this movie is just like raised to this like really important and really emotional um uh level that uh just like when he's singing the karaoke song um, right and then you just like, hold on his face while he like cries and sings a song for so long or when he's like in the you know the swing at the park and like the whole funeral is shot so interestingly um, it reminds me of um come and see yeah yeah in that yeah way in how much it's like in in how interested it is in just like showing a face and not being afraid to be like we trust the actor yeah we trust the actor to do a face for a very long time and to like really (laughs) sell this Mm -hmm. the 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 quirky girl is really great Mm -hmm. um yeah it's I, i i was really impressed as as much as I was when I saw it when I was a kid, yeah, uh, with the formal aspects, if not more so, that it's uh really holds up, and I don't, and it's it's a long movie, and it does feel pretty long, especially because there's like a big break in the middle, but um, it doesn't feel like draggy, right? It's uh, it moves, I think. So I really loved it. Um, I recommend it. Uh, it's a sad movie. It doesn't have all the answers, but I think it makes a lot of interesting critiques of 
of uh, what Japan was going through at the time and uh, has an interesting philosophy on what's good about living. <laughs> yeah, I would definitely recommend it. I think, um, you know, come into it with the expectation that it's a long, slow movie that's in Japanese and in black and white. And, and so and, sad. And it's really sad. <laughs> you know, know what you're getting into, but I would definitely recommend watching it. Great. Okay, well, that's the show. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you'd like to hear more of our show, you can go to patreon.com slash generation loss. Follow us at GenLossPod on Twitter. Follow me, I'm Kina Mazagrafi, Jeremy Thunder. Um, that's it. Discord. See you later. See you later. Bye. We worry more than most at the mercy of ghosts. Still can't you tell by the way we stare? you turn on the dark and yelling out in fright turn on the dark a paper endless night it was never my choice there ain't an end in sight turn on the dark cause i'm afraid of the light oh won't you turn on the dark and Yeah.